are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back on the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. They're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content, if you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, which is a look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, I know I have to be more active on Instagram, so I will try my best to do that in the future. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you. The listener is free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But what are we discussing on today's pod? Well, I'm going to move my mic a little bit out the out the way so it's not covering my face. What are we discussing on today's pod? Storylines for the D-backs in 2022, part two. We did part one sometime last week, so go back and catch up on that pod if I missed it. I got a few more storylines I'm keeping my eye on for the D-backs in 2022. There's probably even more storylines you could put on this list, so if you guys have anything you're watching for the D-backs in 2022, please hit me up on Twitter. But Let's jump right into the pod with storylines I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked on Dimeback still here. Let's get into our 2022 storylines that I'm going to be keeping my eye on for the D-backs heading into next season. And the first one I have written down is kind of funny. There's a cuss word in here. I don't cuss a lot on this podcast, but I want to do it for this topic because I think it's just funny when I get to this first storyline. If you guys ever watched The Wire in season two of The Wire with Frank Sabaka, he has this pretty funny line and he says, it's time to shit or get off the can. And that's how I feel with Luke Weaver. It's time to shit or get off the can with Luke Weaver because this is someone that, of course, we've talked ad nauseum about Luke Weaver. High pedigree kind of guy, high potential kind of guy, acquired as a headliner in the Paul Goldschmidt trade along with Carson Kelly. And he is someone that had tantalizing talent when acquired. He was someone that people expected or at least envisioned one day, best case scenario, this guy could be a number two starter for you in your rotation. It felt like maybe more realistic if we didn't have, you know, the the idea that every prospect could be a future Hall of Famer. I think the more realistic idea where the Luke Weaver was like maybe low end number two, realistic high end number three starter for a D-backs team, plus a very good catcher and a high upside prospect and Andrew Young. That was all the D-backs needed to pull off that Paul Goldschmidt trade. But you look at Luke Weaver's time in AZ since 2019, it's been an up and down roller coaster with a lot more lows and valleys than peaks because 
Again, going back to 2019, Luke Weaver was a stud that season. He had like a 2.94 ERA. He was he looked really good. He had like a three or four pitch arsenal. Like Luke Weaver wasn't the two pitch guy he is now back in 2019, and he did pitch like a pretty large sample size too. 12 starts, 64 innings, so not a crazy sample size, but it was his first year in AZ 2019, and he, it was a pretty decent sample size. The reason it wasn't larger is because he got hurt, if you remember, in 2019 and basically missed the rest of the season. I think he came back and missed and made like one or two starts, but basically missed the rest of the season with that injury, and he just hasn't looked like the same guy since coming back, and it makes you wonder... Is Luke Weaver's lack of development, is that a Luke Weaver thing or is that an Arizona thing? Because there are other pitchers in, you know, who we've seen in the D-backs uniform recently who started hot and then by the time they left, they just kind of fizzled out. Mainly I'm thinking of Robbie Ray off the top of my head, but I don't want Luke Weaver to fall into that same basket. I don't want him to go on to go somewhere else. The D-backs get tired of Luke Weaver. They decide to trade him at, you know, the deadline two years from now. And then he goes on to be an all-star pitcher for someone for someone else. Like, I don't want that to happen for Luke Weaver. But we also have to question, is this guy really the guy we thought we were getting in that Paul Goldschmidt trade? Because also, if you kind of take out the 2019 season, like what we've seen from Luke Weaver the last two years is kind of what he's been. He had a 5.7 ear rate in his first eight starts in 2016 when he broke in with the cards. 3.88 that second year with the Cardinals. But that third year with the cards, 4.95 in 25 starts. So we've seen this story from Luke Weaver before. He's a career 4.64 ERA, and that number feels kind of right. His FIP 406, that feels kind of right too. Like Luke Weaver for his career, if you take out 2019, that was kind of the outlier season for Luke Weaver. So heading into 2022, I'm like, it's time to shit or get off the can with Luke Weaver because we've been waiting for this guy to come around the corner and live up to his potential for a while now. And entering next season, we need to see a full we need to full, see a full season, first of all, from Luke Weaver because you had 2019, he missed half the year because of injury. 2020, of course, the COVID shortened season. And then last year, again, major injuries, only 13 starts last year. He's only averaging 12 starts a season since he came to Arizona in 2019. And remember, 2020 was a shortened season and he still made 12 starts in 2020. So this is someone, first and foremost, that has to stay healthy and has to pitch a full season. And then second, we need to see development in Luke Weaver's game, either being from a pitching standpoint where you increase his arsenal, he's not just a two-pitch guy anymore, or just from a fact that maybe he leans more into those two pitchers than because and becomes a Kevin Gosman type where it doesn't matter if you know what he's throwing, those two pitchers are so effective, he can still get you out. So Luke Weaver is someone I'm watching his development heavily in 2022 because this is someone that had high pedigree, high ceiling, high expectations coming to Arizona. And the man just hasn't lived up to it. His confidence looks a little shot. And I'm just not I'm just not as confident in a Luke Weaver as I once was when he first got to AZ. I'm pretty hesitant on him. And I, I desperately want a high-end number two starter to go behind Zach Gallen. Can Luke Weaver be that guy? Maybe, but considering we've seen absolutely nothing. I don't want to say that. Let me take that back. Considering we haven't really seen anything from Luke Weaver the past couple of seasons, and considering 2019 might be an outlier. I think I might put my hopes into a different basket if I'm praying that someone on this D-backs roster could be the number two starter to Zach Allen. Right now, I'm not feeling like it could be a Luke Weaver. So what we're watching for in Luke Weaver in 2022, it's time to shit it. It's time to shit or get off the can with Weaver. And right now, I think I'm going to get off the can.
The next storyline I want to talk about in segment number one already back against the wall is can Bumgarner play himself back into an asset in 2022? I think this is a major question for the D-backs because, of course, when they signed Madison Bumgarner, they gave him, what, five-year, $85 million deal? You're like, we just stole them from the NL West rival San Francisco Giants. The D-backs are coming off an 80-plus win season. Now we add a three-time World Series champ, a World Series MVP, and a guy who's an absolute workhorse. We thought things were going good for the D-backs when they made that move, but we have learned that Massim Gum, we have learned that Massim Bumgarner really puts the bum in Garner. Terrible joke, I know, but it's been true. His time in AZ has not gone well. I'm gonna pull up his stats real quickly here, but Bumgarner has not looked like the guy we've given that fat contract to uh, since we signed him in the offseason a couple years ago, and he still owed sixty million the last three years. That's an average annual salary of twenty million dollars. Yes, I did that myself in my head. Massive Bumgarner so far his time in AZ five oh seven ERA. In his first 11 years with the Giants, it was a 3-1-3 ERA, but you did see some cracks in that Bumgarner, Bumgarner armor the last couple of seasons, specifically his last year in San Fran in 2019, but no one could have predicted Bumgarner would have been this bad. So right now, the only question is, can he play himself back into being an asset? And when I say asset, it either means someone that can be productive on this D-back team or someone who can at least increase their value enough to be traded, because right now... Madison Bumgarner is in a weird place. He's both overpaid and he's unproductive. Like, you can't be both. You can't be overpaid and unproductive. You could be overpaid, but at least still be a valuable asset to a team, even though everyone knows your contract is terrible. It doesn't mean you can't at least be valuable. Someone like, I don't know, throw out someone random in like the NBA, like Tobias Harris. Like, yes, Tobias Harris is severely overpaid, but he's still a good basketball player. He's a quality basketball player. He's not worth, he's just not worth 40 million dollars same with Bumgarner no not the same with Bumgarner because the difference with Bumgarner I'm not sure he's a good pitcher right now Bumgarner is at least a good pitcher if he was at least Merrill Kelly should I say I think I would feel a little bit better but we need Bumgarner to be better than a Merrill Kelly we need Bumgarner to be the guy we saw that last year in San Fran which was like a 3-9 ERA guy and he wasn't elite but he was serviceable he was still a quality starter back in 2019 so if the D-backs could get that from Bumgarner it would help their team out tremendously because depending on how this season goes Bumgarner plays himself back into being being an asset then maybe if the season goes poorly, the D-backs look to trade Bumgarner at the deadline to a contender that could surely use his services, and maybe they only kick in, you know, half the money still owed to Bumgarner. Or if the season's going well, maybe Bumgarner plays itself into an asset, and then all of a sudden, whoa, we actually do have a number two and number three starter on this rotation that we didn't think before. Maybe now, all of a sudden, the D-backs are buyers instead of sellers at the deadline, and they try to improve this team. So, Bumgarner, what he does this season, if he can finally live up to that contract, will determine a lot for the D-backs future, both in the short term and the long term. So I'm keeping my eye out heavily on how Bumgarner pitches because this is a guy who, a lot of pedigree, like we've said, that's, that's going to be a hot word we say on this podcast, pedigree. And Bumgarner was someone that had a lot of pedigree when he was signed and he has not lived up to it. So I'm going to be watching him heavily in 2022. But we still got four more storylines I want to talk about that I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022. But before we get to the rest of these storylines, I first want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because this episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. 
Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Plus, it's great for the keto diet, covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew. The Built Bar is absolutely Absolutely delicious. My favorite flavor is the cherry barcia because it's nice and sweet with that mix of chocolate. Absolutely delicious. Mwah. Mwah. Chef's kiss. If you want your own Built Bar, just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Alright, alright, alright. Let's get back into the podcast. And the next storyline I want to discuss is can the D-backs get their bullpen back to average? Now, I'm not even asking for a lot from the D-backs bullpen right now. I would just be happy if it was literally dead in the middle in terms of MLB average or National League average. The D-backs had an average bullpen. This team could be competitive in 2022 because this has been the area that maybe Mike Hazen has missed on the most when it comes to free agency and offseason acquisitions because the Joaquin Soria's, the Chris Davinsky's, the Junior Guerrero's, the Hector Rondones, like they have just not worked out. The D-backs, this D-backs franchise is a philosophy that tries to win on the margins. They, of course, never want to spend big money in free agency unless it's to one overpriced old pitcher that's usually their philosophy if they're handing out money let's just spend it all in one place usually an over the hill past their prime pitcher but the d-backs their team trying to win on the margins and they have not been able to do it when it comes to their bullpen they have some dramatically terrible misses in their bullpen and it's been one of the biggest i think it's arguably the biggest weakness on this D-backs team when you look at their roster the last couple of years. Now, there's a, a lot of stats that you could point to as to, or, or a lot of stats or a lot of areas you could point to on this D-backs team where you just say, wow, they're one of the worst in baseball in that stat, or they have one of the worst position groups in baseball in that area. But either way, you can easily make the argument that the bullpen is the worst area for the D-backs because it is not strong. But I believe there is potential. I believe there is a path for this team to at least be uh, average in 2022 because you're at least going to have a decent core for Mark Melanson, Noah Ramirez, Joe Mantipoli, and Caleb Smith. Like You'll have a solid four relievers. And if you're lucky, this D-backs team will hopefully have another couple guys that pop like a J.B. Berskakis or someone else, maybe a Corbin Martins in the bullpen, maybe a Tyler Gilbert. Maybe if you're really lucky, a guy like Kevin Ginkle can return from the dead. You're hoping you can get a couple more guys, a couple younger dudes uh, to finally come around on their development and pop for this D-backs team, specifically in that bullpen, because they're going to need it. If you look at this D-backs bullpen, their ERA the last few seasons, it had just gone downward in the opposite trajectory of what you would want as a GM and coach the last few seasons because if you go back to their 2017 season the last time the D-backs made the playoffs they had a really good bullpen that year and it was one of the main reasons the team made the postseason because back in 2017 the D-backs had a 3-7-8 year array as a bullpen second in the National League you go to 2018 3-5-6 year array fourth in the National League 2019 426 ERA, six in the National League, and then 2020, 4.6 ERA, 10th in the National League. Did I say 4.6 for 2019? It was 4.26 in 2019, which was fourth in the National League. 
or excuse me, which was sixth in the National League in 2019, 4.26 ERA, 4.6 ERA in 2020, 10th in the National League, and then 2021, 508 ERA, 14th in the National League. And if you just look at the D-backs record that coincides with those ERAs, the record goes as the bullpen ERA goes and this D-backs team they want any chance of at least being a wall card contender in 2022 I think this bullpen is desperately going to need to be better in 2019 only three of the nine full-time relievers with at least 30 innings pitch had an ERA below four so it wasn't even that many like most D-backs pitchers like the three best D-backs relievers in 2019 were like around a three five ERA like these D-backs relievers entering next season don't have to be 2.2 or 1.5 throwing 99 and racking up, you know, 15 strikeouts per nine innings. Like they don't have to go out there and be Josh Hader or Devin Williams. They just have to go out there and be average. And if the D-backs could get six average bullpen guys together, then that bullpen as a whole could be average. And I think it could lead to more wins than people are expecting for the D-backs in 2022. So one big thing that I hope the D-backs improve after this lockout in this offseason is the bullpen. And they already made one major splash by getting the NL saves leader in 2021 in Mark Melanson. So Mike Hazen already off to a hot start. Hopefully he continues it after this lockout because the bullpen has been a big area of concern the last couple years so if Hazen could get this bullpen squared away and get it to average I think this team could be competitive for maybe maybe a wild card spot in 2022 I'm not making any predictions until the offseason is over and I see the final roster but maybe a wild card spot in 2022 the bullpen can at least become decent and then the second storyline for segment number two that we're going to discuss is, can this team generate more power? This is a D-backs team that was second fewest home runs in the National League last year. And guys, remember, there's no more Eduardo Escobar on this team. Like this guy had like, what, 25 home runs or something like that at the trade deadline last year. Like Escobar was a beast. And someone like Christian Walker, like hopefully he gets back to it in 2022. Hopefully last season was just a fluke. The oblique injuries is the reason why, excuse me, guys, hopefully the oblique injuries is the reason why Christian Walker didn't have the same power he usually does in the D-backs uniform. But if that's not the case, if Christian Walker cannot get back to the level he was prior to, what, 2021, at least get back to the 2020 level where he was a gap guy, an extra base hit guy, even though the over-the-fence power wasn't there. At least he was still producing a lot of hard contact. If he can't at least get back to the 2020 level, then this team is going to struggle to score runs, especially score runs in bunches, because it might be Keto Marte or a bust next season. I think you're going to have to be dependent a lot on the younger guys. Hopefully, their development continues in a positive progression, especially someone like Dalton Varsho and Carson Kelly, because those seem to be the two highest upside power bats the D-backs lineup has outside of a Keto Marte. So if those two guys aren't able to, what, tap into maybe 20 home run plus power in 2022, then this D-backs team as a whole it's probably going to finish dead last in home runs in 2022. And they're just not going to be able to generate a lot of power because we know Payton Smith doesn't have power. We know Nick Ahmed doesn't have power. We know David Peralta, his power has left him. Just go up and down the lineup. Josh Rojas, like he's someone that you're going to hope pops in the power department. A lot of these D-back sluggers just aren't that powerful. They just don't have a lot of guys that could generate hard contact outside of a Ketel Marte. And I mean over the fence hard contact because a guy like Paven Smith, he produces hard line drives, but 
hard contact plus the launch angle to take those balls over the fence. Really, Ketel Marte is the only threat to do that now. And home runs are still important because it's the quickest way to put multiple runs on the board. Even though we've seen more teams go into the high variance, uh, high variance kind of philosophy with strikeouts and home runs. Listen, a lot of those teams are the ones that are winning games. The D-backs are both striking out and not hitting home runs, which is just a recipe for failure. So hopefully they can get back on track next year and I guess hope that some of these players pop in the power department and maybe Mike Hazen still has a a card up his sleeve after the lockout where maybe he finds a 25 home run at bat on the market. I was hoping for a guy like Kyle Seager, but... I believe he retired this offseason, so he's officially off the board. But maybe you can find another Kyle Seager, Escobar type that could give you 25 home run power, low OBP, uh, average average, which is kind of funny to say. But the power department is definitely something of an area of concern that I have for this D-back squad in 2022. It's going to be one of the Achilles heels of this team entering next season, and it's going to be a storyline I follow throughout the entire 2022 season. Now, We still got two more storylines I want to discuss with you guys today before we depart on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast and let's get into our last two storylines before we depart today. And the next one is something that could be tied into the storyline we bookended segment number two with because can this team generate more strikeouts in 2022? And I'm not talking about the lineup because the lineup has generated enough strikeouts the last couple years. I'm talking about the rotation. I'm talking about the bullpen because this D-backs pitching staff, we all know, they do not have a lot of flamethrowers. And because of it, they do not have a lot of guys that could put away batters. This D-backs team was dead last in Major League Baseball and strikeout percentage in 2021. Just 19.7% strikeout percentage for this D-backs squad. Once again, dead last, not in the National League, but in the entire Major League Baseball Association. Do they even have association tied to them? I don't think so. But when you look at this D-backs team, like I said, this pitching rotation, this staff as a whole, bullpen, everyone here, there's not a lot of flamethrowers. And that's kind of important in today's game. When you look at the modern pitcher, how many guys do you know in baseball now that could throw 95 plus and maybe touch triple digits? Like, there's a good amount of pitchers that are considered hard throwing flamethrowers, which is probably 95 plus. But when you look at this D back roster, they virtually have no one that could sit in the mid 90s consistently with their fastball. I was actually on Baseball Savant earlier this uh, earlier today, and I was going through, I was trying to go through every pitcher from the D backs last season who 
like sat in the mid 90s with their fastball. And really, Luis Frias, I think, was the only guy with the fastball that averaged above 95 miles an hour. And Kevin Ginko was like 94 7. Like those were the only two guys that were pretty consistent with an average that sat right around 95 or higher. Like everyone else was in the low 90s. Like there's a few guys that are like 93 5, maybe 94 3, but guys that you consider mid 90s fastball throwers, like there's not a lot of guys on this D back squad. And I think the philosophy of this franchise is kind of that. Like, they don't want a lot of flamethrowers. Just when you look at the makeup of a lot of these pitchers, like a Merrill Kelly or Tyler Gilbert, Tyler Clipper, like it's a lot of hard-throwing ground ball, single ball type pitchers, like a Mark Melanson, hard-throwing ground ball kind of guy. Like, Or they're just not hard-throwing at all, like a Madison Bumgarner. So for the D-backs, I think they kind of need to change their philosophy. Zach Allen, his fastball sits like 93-94. So does Taylor Widener. But if they want to hit a, a different level, if this D-back from a pitching standpoint wants to hit a different level, then they need to get guys that could just flat out throw harder. Like the D-backs are not going to be... I don't, I don't know if you can be an elite team in today's game if you don't have a couple guys that could come in out the bullpen, throw 100, and just sit the the side down in order like the D-backs don't really have someone that strikes fear in the opposing batters like a Rollis Chapman or Craig Kimbrell that could come in though 99 consistently and just look nasty when they're on the mound and the batter just kind of looks scared because they don't want to get hit they don't want that pitch to be inside they don't want to take it off the elbow because they know it's going to hurt so the D-backs need to get their own version of a Chapman or a or 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 Craig Kimbrell. Archie Bradley was kind of that. He was a guy that could throw in the upper 90s. He could hit 97, 98 on his fastball. And guess what? Archie Bradley was a pretty good closer for this D-backs team. The D-backs bullpen was pretty good when they had more guys that could throw 95 plus. So I think if the D-backs, this also ties into the earlier discussion of the bullpen. So the D-backs also want to get a better bullpen and a better rotation overall. They want those bullpen ERAs and the staff rotation ERA to rise. I think they need to get more guys that could throw 95 plus. So that's a big thing on my wish list. And I'm pretty sure Mike Hazen has talked about that. I'm pretty sure I've read some comments where we've discussed how the D-backs team just doesn't throw hard enough. And I think that's something he's going to be targeting in the offseason. More guys that could throw hard. Maybe they're not throwing 96 on average, but at least 94, 95. Like, and maybe potential to touch 97, 98, even if they don't do it consistently. So I know that's a big area of concern for Mike Hazen. I'm hoping he fixes it after this lockout because I don't want to go another season of just six to 10 dudes deep that the D-backs have that are, are peaking at 92 miles an hour. Like it's really disgusting in modern day baseball if you don't have more than one guy that could throw at least 95 consistently. So D-backs, please get that squared away. And then the last topic I want to discuss with you guys today, but I don't even think we have enough time. Like I still have another storyline I want to discuss with you guys today, but I don't think we have enough time on today's podcast. So for the D-backs, hopefully, we'll see. Again, we've talked about this man a lot. We're, I, I, I'm hoping, I'm sure you're hoping that a Brent Strom could unlock a few things for the D-backs team from a pitching standpoint. Now, can he add a tick or two on, in terms of miles per hour, in terms of pitching velocity to these pitchers? Maybe I think we'll be I, I think it would be more realistic if we just expected maybe a, a slight tick up like a half mile an hour. I think it would be uh I think it would be happy with that. But overall, I think Brent Strom is gonna turn this pitching staff around. Now I don't think he's gonna do it in one season. I don't think next year this pitching staff rotation bullpen is all of a sudden gonna be elite. But if he can get this rotation bullpen to be top 20-ish, top 
eight-ish in the National League, top 20-ish in MLB, then I'll be pretty happy with that. I would think this team would be on the right path and right trajectory after that. In terms of, you know, the future success of this franchise, I would think if a Brent Strom comes in and the team starts moving the right direction, then it would make it the job easier for Mike Hazen to target players and target pitchers that fit the Brent Strom system. So I'm very curious to see what he's what what he can bring to the team. We got to talk about the new hitting coach and stuff like that, too, to see what he can do. So maybe I'll do a breakdown on uh, next week's uh, on like a pod next week talking about the new hitting coach and what he can bring to the franchise and some players that have had you know maybe revelation seasons or resurrection seasons under him so that could be a pod topic for next week because i know i've just hammered the brentstrom you know discussion about what he can do to help this d-backs development and Maybe we're putting too much pressure on Brent Strom, but that's why he gets paid the big bucks to be a pitching coach. So I'm putting a lot of faith in him considering what he's done in Houston. I think he's one of the best pitching coaches in baseball, and he could be a big reason this team turns it around next season. Maybe, again, not for a division crown, but maybe a wild card spot. We'll see. So that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Those are my, I guess, five storylines I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022. I had a six one, but we are already like five and a half minutes into segment number three, and these are supposed to be six-minute segments, so I didn't want this being a 33-minute podcast. So we'll save those other storylines for maybe part three. Maybe we'll do a little part three storylines I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022. feel like we got to do a part three after the lockout, maybe after the offseason when we see more moves by Mike Hazen because I'm sure we'll have more storylines we'll be watching after that. But that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. As I said, thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. Thank you to everyone who makes Lockdown Dimebacks their first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you. Free and available on all platforms. Go make your second listen of the day. Lockdown Bets with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling if you want to put some extra money in your pocket. And of course, As always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!